It's the walk-in! No one's been in here in fucking months! Look at all these emails! This gro- Look at it! Look at this email attachment! Sour! It's got- it's gone sour! Hello everyone, it's me, your old pal, the culinary cowboy, Kevin Mann. Join me, if you will, alongside Adam Bibolo. Hello! Hello! It is cold in this walk-in. Cold as it is chilly, and I'm joined as well by Joe Graham. Hi! And it's the walk-in! Hey, it's Raw as a podcast where we spend a lot of time talking about kitchen nightmares, Gordon Ramsay, and all manner of devilish doings in the world of gastronomy. So, we decided to finally long overdue do what Gordon does usually within 10 minutes of coming into a restaurant and have a look in the old chiller and see what's kicking around because we have asked for emails we've asked for for stories anecdotes now there were a couple of themes that we had hit upon what were some of the calls that we put out we wanted to hear your personal kitchen nightmares as in times that you have cooked things and they have gone horribly horribly wrong we want to hear your restaurant kitchen nightmares times when you've gone to a restaurant and it's just been awful just really really bad the type of restaurant where you think you know gordon needs to come here he needs to save this establishment now we've also had one instance of someone meeting gordon ramsay because we we did want to hear from people who had met gordon and it's different from adam's mum meeting Gordon as yes, well now, right? Yes, yep. <laughs> it's not my mum writing into the podcast, is it? Ah, <laughs> oh, you've read the emails, haven't you? <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm going to say, I, I think we should expand that to other food celebrities of note. You food know? celebrities. Food celebrities of note. <laughs> so if you happen to see like the original Ronald McDonald or Colonel Sanders... Yeah. Or or Nigella Lawson, you know, anyone of that mm-hmm. equivalent value. So not necessarily chefs, no. food celebrities like Greg Wallace. Yes, that counts. I would love to hear some Greg Wallace stories. I've got one. I met him. I was told he was not. The end. We were all there, Kevin. Yep. Yep. <laughs> You're my witnesses to this. <laughs> right, well, Joe, why don't you uh, take us through here? And thanks everyone who sent in all of these uh, fabulous mm. emails. Hey, Adam, where can people reach out to us, the It's Raw gang? You can find us at itsrawpod at gmail.com. That's itsrawpod at gmail.com. Right, so first up, we have a little story from listener Brogan, who says, Hello, as a fellow Gordo enthusiast, I couldn't stop laughing during the podcast. Gordo. Gordo. Official new name. Hey, Gordo, come over here. Gordo. Imagine how angry he'd be. He'd call you such a bad boy if you called him Gordo. <laughs> you big Gordo, get the fuck out of here. It sounds like a real generic mean name, like yeah. Goober or something like that. Gordo. Look at, look at that Gordo over there with his big stupid head. So Rogan says, I'm still not sure how there wasn't an 80s chef wrestler, as that would have been a great gimmick. Can you imagine? Oh, man. Adam, can you think of any wrestlers with chef leanings or gimmicks or anything like Literally that? Literally no one. I mean, Midian is now a sushi chef these days, but that's IRL. That's not in kayfabe, unfortunately. I don't wow. think it's been done. That's really strange. That ha- someone has to. We've had wrestling golfers. We've had wrestling bin mm. men. I mean, taste of Tennille. Oh, that's true. That <laughs> T- T- Tennille Dashwood, the, the wrestler in Impact Wrestling, she has went on and, well... 
She used to. She, she's on holiday now. <laughs> shot of brandy these days, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what? If you are into wrestling and you like food, a shot of brandy is the only... I mean, I could do a whole series of Kitchen Nightmare-themed episodes about episodes of shot oh of brandy. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> right, so Brogan continues. My personal kitchen nightmare occurred post-house party when I was 18. My parents went to Vegas and I took the opportunity to have a barbecue. It ended up raining and the barbecue quickly became a house party. The next morning, whilst very hungover my friend and i decided to grill off all of the leftover burgers and sausages as a hangover brekkie Mm. very good idea Uh unfortunately though the grill caught on fire in my hungover days i thought the best way to extinguish the fire would be to remove the burning tray from the grill and stand outside in the rain that's very british isn't it very british from what i gathered rain will fix this that's what you have instead of culture isn't it (laughs) (laughs) interesting that the hangover breakfast simply was not meant to be and all i was left with was some half charcoal half raw meats which i presume Mm. were very very wet Mm -hmm. i mean what are your guys feeling on the whole uh, charcoal situation? Because you know, a lot of people are like, oh, that's lovely charcoal. Listen to it. I remember getting a burnt steak when I was like very, very young. And my auntie chastising me for not appreciating that it was charcoal. And she went, mmm. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, cut, oh, no. cutting into a briquette. Like, <laughs> what's the matter with you? Don't you like it? I, I don't know what it is. I also heard like this urban legend when I was a child that pregnant ladies like to eat coal. And I think I've never untangled the two in my head. But uh, the, the, the charcoal, um, the charcoal business. Uh, what do you think of that? Well, you flame grill fan. In, in terms of cooking with charcoal, I remember my dad always used to have like a brick barbecue, and every summer we would have proper barbecue with charcoals, and it would be really smoky and gorgeous. And then I remember one summer he was like, "We're going to step it up a notch. Like we've been doing this for so long now, it's time to actually throw some money in thing." Like I don't mean he put money in the barbecue. I mean he spent money. <laughs> And he went out. It tastes extra good. It's got that money smell. <laughs> and he, got that money feel. He went out and he got one of those proper, like, king of the hill, enormous, giant barbecues that takes up most wow. of your garden. Like, it's this huge, metal, <laughs> gorgeous, chrome thing. And it made food that tasted like it had been cooked in an oven or on a hob. Like, there was no... Because oh, it was gas-powered. It was just gas. regular cooking. There was no Hank charcoal. Hank could have told you. No. Yeah, well, Hank would have been a proponent of that. Because what happened there is that you tasted the meat, yeah. not the heat. And previously to that, you were tasting the heat, not the meat. Yeah. Well, jeez, I mean... I don't know. I think that it's it's something that's going to go by the wayside in the next 10 to 20 years. Is uh, is I mean, it's going to be a niche thing that hipsters do. But in terms of mainstream getting a big bucket of charcoal and setting on fire mm. and ripping a hole in the ozone layer to have a few <laughs> burgers. I will say, though, further to Brogan's uh, story there about, you know, leftover barbecues. At the start of the lockdown, we did a lot of barbecue mm. in here just because weather was nice at the start of lockdown. And there was a pair of hot dogs that were left on the embers. Out in the rain. For around six to seven hours. And we took them in. They were, like, fossilized. Oh, so good. It was, like, jerky. Hot dog jerky. Oh, there was around, there was, I'd say, a millimetre, a headphone wire layer of actual pink meat still oh. within it. The rest of it was all crunch and chew. <laughs> it like, turned into a sausage roll. Oh, they eating a delicious long elbow. It was great. <laughs> Right, so we have a story now from Noah. And this is about a kitchen nightmare that he has had personally whilst cooking. Kevin, as a avid home chef, would you like to take this story from uh, Noah? I'm, I'm an avid cooker. I'm really excited to hear all about this. Hey, guys. First time caller, first time listener here. And I knew exactly what kitchen nightmare I had to tell. 
it was my first night at university, and I was having my good friend Yan over, and we thought it would be a good idea to make chicken fajitas. I don't know why, but chicken fajitas just seems like it's something everyone always wants to make, and it's got such a wide birth for it to go wrong well it comes in a packet doesn't yeah. it you can make, make chicken fajitas supposedly very very easy even hands up here if you've had bad chicken fajitas in the last five years yeah probably yeah yeah, yeah i've not i don't oh, think there you go. but i will say i've had 10 times as many good chicken fajitas in the last five years because we make them all the time and honestly yeah i don't find it that tricky myself sorry sorry if i'm burying noah here now by saying <laughs> oh i think he, specifically it's the first night at university is what caught me there because i think that's a lot of like, oh, I'm going to uni. I can eat whatever I want. Yeah, and first night of you uni... You can overcook chicken. First night of uni as well, you, you want to show off how grown up you can be. You want to experiment yep. and try cooking new things. You're not going to go yep. for the packet, are you? Yeah, that's true. It's very, very true. Mistake number one here for Noah. I bought chicken thighs rather than chicken breasts. Oh. While I'm sure a competent cook might easily get the meat off the bone, we went at those fuckers... Oh, they were on the bone! I, I would ah, just give up. I'd make dear. something else at that point. You yeah, know? I yeah. don't... Oh, hardly up. anyone would just be able to take off chicken thighs off the bone. That's hard. Uh, yeah, mm. I would make a stew with the constituent yeah. parts of the fajitas <laughs> yeah. and give up on that because, yeah, you ain't removing a... Like, you can't actually remove a... a, a bone from a chicken thigh it's actually biologically yeah, it's impossible like and i say that <laughs> i'd leave it in there and then have the fajitas with bones in then just you've got the blood for the sauce <laughs> the hot sauce <laughs> mistake number two jan insisted that he liked his chicken best with the skin left on being so new to cooking independently i figured we could do that in the frying pan just fine no oil lard or anything oh the meat cooked fine but not wanting to burn the flesh we had stopped cooking leaving us with hacked up chicken and soggy skins <laughs> rather than admit failure and cut the skins off now we figured we could eat around them once it was all wrapped up in a tortilla how do you eat around something in a tortilla <laughs> we could not it was fucking grim <laughs> <laughs> Adam, you need to reach out to Noah here and, and take him through the, by the hand how you do this. Mistake number three. Some of my flatmates were in the kitchen as we all did this, with the slog of a meal we had made leading them to the term chicken juice being used regularly amongst ourselves, such that I was frequently reminded of that kitchen nightmare. Rest assured that I am now capable of making a meal that doesn't look like it was fresh out of John Carpenter's The Thing. <laughs> I would actually bite your tongue there now with regards to The Thing analogy because anyone who's looked at The Thing knows that's on almost all of its guises from, from vaginal to dog. It's honey glazed, it's smoky, <laughs> barbecue. I've listened to the Cinema Swell episode of The Thing. It I was convinced. It ain't undercooked is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> right, so next up we have a story about working in a kitchen and it's from a location that we are all intimately familiar Ooh. with. Adam, why don't you take us through this story now from Haley? Haley says, Hey, so I did the Gordon's description fan art mentioned in the episode. We did post that onto our Twitter account at PodCrabs. You can see it there. Very lovely work. Thank you, Haley. And Haley says, Here's my kitchen nightmare from working on a canal boat cafe kitchen in Lincoln. Hey, Lincoln. I'm glad I'm reading out this story because I do know Haley and I have been on that exact canal boat cafe <gasps> to go and see her when she was working in that kitchen. So I can corroborate that this is true, this story, oh. folks. And I also also point out as well, I haven't lived in Lincoln. I'd seen that cafe canal boat many times, and every time mm. someone told me, including Haley, who I also know when she worked there, I refused to believe that it actually was a cafe. It's fuck off. Yeah. Fuck no, it's off. just a novelty, isn't it? it? It's work, not really. No, it can actually. Like, I cannot. How big is a canal boat? Could you just, like, for non UK Irish listeners, I don't know if you have them in America. <laughs> 
they're like a small house but long and narrow and it's kind of like a stretch limo on the water i'd say That's roughly that very size. glamorous yeah. it, i would yeah, say it's not more, as good as that like it's more like a floating bed sit is how i describe yeah. it <laughs> Haley says i've been working there a few weeks and i noticed that the woman who ran it was really odd she was nice but incredibly scatterbrained She'd only use one ring on the oven hob, referring to it as her Zoomy ring, which was harmless but strange. <laughs> she, she also did the thing you mentioned where every item was bought from the co-op about 40 metres away, so I regularly had to run there for more bread or ice cream. She advertised everything on the menu as homemade, but every item was tinned, frozen, or a pre-bought co-op meal. Uh, yeah, when I went to see Haley, I asked if I could have a margarita pizza, and then she opened the freezer and she showed me the co-op frozen oh pizzas, and I was like... God. I, I think I'll wait till I go somewhere else. Cheers. <laughs> the real nightmare comes when I'm working alone one day. So this boss saves the ice cream tubs and uses them to heat up stuff like beans or tinned tomatoes in the microwave. The whole cafe is on a narrow boat, so the kitchen is very, very small. She's got the very back of the boat full of plates and pots and the two microwaves there. Then a bit further forward, she's got the small kitchen, then the serving counter and the tables. How many people could squeeze in into that place? Have you actually stepped foot inside there, the little canal cafe? Oh yeah, I, I went and sat in there. I'd say it was maybe, maybe 10 at a push, maybe 8 people. There was a few tables. Really? Yeah, it was it was cramped. Did you look in the kitchen? Well, yeah, because you can see the whole kitchen. It's literally like, oh, really? I, when I was there, Haley was behind the counter and there was like a fridge, an oven, a hob, and that was it pretty much. It was so small honestly like, i've always wondered how more than one person works in a kitchen like that yeah you have to take turns between like the customers have to leave and then you can go in and cook <laughs> and then once you finish they're like pack in like <laughs> so Haley's talking about the woman that runs this kitchen she says when she's microwaving things and needs to put them somewhere else until something else is heated up she puts them on the stack of plates and then comes back mm -hmm. for them so one day i'm working alone i go to look for some of these tubs and can't find any i look for a bowl to use instead and go into the back when I get there, I realise the plastic tubs have been accumulating here as she microwaves things, puts them on the shelf, and then forgets about them. There were several tubs of mould-covered no! beans and tomatoes, and God knows what else sat in the back of this restaurant. So, I start throwing them out and trying to get plates out. The first few plates are fine. Then I start getting deeper into the pile as it's busy, and I realise the plates are getting dirtier and dirtier as I get through. There are plates still with food, sauce and oil on them, all sat here, stacked in with the Wait, clean Was there plates. like a teenage boy that was like living in the, in the place? Because like, that's what I do when I was 14. I'd like, you know, have a, an old sandwich plate you put under the bed or something. In the end, I call up a colleague and we spent four hours cleaning over 300 plates that are just covered in food and mould. And the further back you go, the worse it got. So I text the manager and say, hey, there's loads of plates in the clean plate area that are covered in food and mould. What's happening? We're having to clean all of them. And she replies, oh, I just put them back when they come back in and I clean them when I need to use them. Anyway, I quit. Don't eat on any narrowboat cafe. <laughs> Good life advice. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> fucking hell. Also, it's just one of those things you just described a restaurant there that's like physically can probably have more than double digits of people in it or single mm. digits of people in it. And it's got hundreds of plates. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> plates and plates and plates for no reason. Have any of you guys ever, instead of like cleaning plates, opted just to buy new crockery? Because no. like, I've never reached that point. My flatmate Isaac, I think he got a stack of paper plates in uni so he wouldn't have to deal with all that stuff. And then he was experimenting with the idea... <laughs> He was going to go to Iceland and buy a shitload of those, you know, the big Yorkshire puddings, and he was going to use those as his dishes from there. <laughs> <laughs> 
quite a clever idea. <laughs> in, in a manner of speaking, yeah. Method to his madness. <laughs> what do we got next, Joe? Okay, so next up we have a story from James who says, Hello, House Ramsay. After enjoying a lovely meal at a lovely restaurant with my lovely wife, we decided to order dessert. Nothing fancy, just a couple of ice cream sundaes. Well, you can't really go wrong no, with that, can you? Straightforward. Classic. Absolutely classic right there. Literally like the safest thing. Mm. I heard the term knickerbocker glory when I was oh. like five years old. And I can't think of anything I found out that long ago that I still find as funny as I did when I was five <laughs> years old. It sounds delicious. It sounds hilarious. Mm. I want one right now. Can we stop recording? <laughs> so James continues All seemed well at first Lashings of whipped cream And assorted <laughs> toppings But <laughs> He's laughing at lashings of whipped cream It's because it reminds me of um, the, the Comic Strip Presents thing The, the famous <laughs> five knockoff Everything is Lashings of whipped cream <laughs> Lashings of ginger beer So all seemed well at first Lashings of whipped cream And assorted toppings But after a few normal mouthfuls I noticed Shards of broken glass on the Sunday. Oh, oh, fuck. Oh, That's a bad no. one. Fucking hell. Have any of you had broken glass experience with food? I have actually had a quite a similar experience to this, but not at a restaurant. <gasps> I made a ice cream sundae at, in food tech at school and I brought in this mm-hmm. lovely fancy glass that I, my mum bought for me and I was so excited to eat it when I got home. It was like filled with chocolate fudge and all these different like homemade ice creams and stuff. I was so excited and then it got like knocked over or something. It, for some reason, it smashed. Oh, and God. like mm. the ice cream sundae was still fine, but it had lots of glass in. And I was like, tr- I was like convinced I could eat around the glass. Oh, and my mum no. literally had to stop me and be like, no, I cannot. I cannot. I wouldn't be a good mother if I let you eat the broken glass. I thought you were saying like you were so excited that you just like, <laughs> like you <hit> the button. <laughs> oh, <geez>. Sauce. <laughs> Raspberry sauce. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's particularly bad as well to have that broken glass on it because you do often come across in some fancy ice cream places or 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 or, or tacky ice cream places they'll put like a, a crunchy disc on top or like you can get those like edible silver balls and stuff mm. like that like you know like crystallized sugar or stuff yeah yeah, yeah. And, and oftentimes if i get something like that even if it's like yeah. you, you get a cupcake and it has like fucking ball bearings on it and thumbtacks it's like no but they're made of sugar i'm like okay uh, oh Dangerous business, the hard sugar world. Now, James says, I'm very much in the Adam and Joe camp of not making a fuss and not being an inconvenience to anyone. (laughs) You guys aren't that bad, surely, right? Come on. We're very British here. That's my motto. Yeah, that is my, not just in restaurants, but in general, I just try not to be an inconvenience to anyone. Stop inconveniencing me, Adam, by not eating broken glass. Jesus. Rather eat broken glass than complain and cause a fuss. James says, I've worked at a restaurant and I feel the pain of when people complain. My wife is the louder, brasher, poochie of the relationship and was in 50% off the bill rage mode, ready to fight for me. (laughs) Good job. Good mode. Good mode. (laughs) I told her to enjoy her dessert and I would tell the waitress. Brave. Turning around to catch the eye of the waitress, I saw a big splodge of cream on the handrail where our food had been brought out. A simple error. The Sunday glass had accidentally been hit against the handrail and broken. No mind palace required to solve this mystery. I walked over to the waitress and told her what happened. She replied, there are only a couple of bits of glass in there. Couldn't you eat around it? Whoa! (laughs) Instant dismissal. What the fuck? Am I the only one who keeps thinking of that 
bit in Oz where they grind down the glass to kill the mafia boss <laughs> and put it in his food slowly. Jesus. <laughs> just eat your ice cream yeah. and glass. Oh my God. I misjudged her attitude and assumed she just didn't want to get in trouble with her manager. So I asked for a replacement Sunday anyway. Turns out she was just a mad ass as she stormed over with my replacement. She put it down with so much speed and rage that it fell over, getting cream on the table. <laughs> and it smashed it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is this is like the, the cream on the... the cake or whatever she picked it back up who wants to guess what she did next licked it like or like you know at the bit that she spilled like you know (laughs) she licked the cream off her palm of course without a word and served the next table where was this the fucking seventh circle of hell like what is this (laughs) in hindsight it was super poor customer service from every angle in the words of gordon praise be unto him I've heard of glassier cherries, but not fucking glassier fucking sundaes. <laughs> what do you think he would have called the palm-licking waitress? Oh, I mean, she he no, he'd probably say like, you should go lick some fucking windows. He'd say something like that, like yeah, something really hurtful. mean and and cruel, but also like righteous at the same time. That's that's fucking. Whoa, I don't know how you handled the kind of cartoonishness of the bad service with the mm. genuine fear and worry and anger that would come mm-hmm. from broken glass. Not many other things other than broken glass can cause a reaction like that. Oh, man. Just the total dismissive. Like, that's so dangerous. It's not like a hair yeah. or something. It's that fucking could kill you. Literally could. So scary. Ugh. Who wants to read the next story? Adam, do you want to do you want to read this next one from Drew? Yeah, I'll take us through this. This is a uh, an interesting story about an episode we've actually already covered. Oh, okay. Oh, this isn't one of the many ones where it's like, don't do this episode because it turns out that the person's a wrong one. No, no, we're not going to read those out. Yeah, but thank you for those ones, even though we're not going <laughs> to read them out. Which yeah. Those are very helpful. Hello, Drew here, and I'm just amazed that we are finally getting a Kitchen Nightmares podcast. I've rewatched Kitchen Nightmares numerous times, and it never gets boring i have a fun fact about the twins from your first episode fucking a i'm here for this fun fact (laughs) jim and jeff actually got the money from their restaurant from doing acting spots they actually starred in numerous tv shows like murphy brown the pretender and teen angel as twin number one and twin number two (laughs) (laughs) so many actors in the kitchen nightmares it's really that's crazy oh wow because we were on imdb for someone else uh, over the episode that was it yeah god the twins and they're modest as well how about that oh my god most interestingly they starred in one big motion picture in 1999 disney's inspector gadget the movie wow they were acting alongside matthew broderick baby oh yeah oh yeah fucking hell jeez that's that's my cyberpunk 2077 right there folks (laughs) (laughs) they are both visible in the scene where gadget was trying to overhear a conversation at a party i put it in a youtube clip to show you they are in it as well oh folks if you want to see this look up inspector gadget dance party on youtube and go to one minute and 52 seconds we are definitely watching this as soon as the recording is over. I actually watched this as soon as I read this email. Yeah. And I can vouch for it. They're there. Ah. They are just them. And it's great. It's fucking perfect. And also, what a banging movie that is. I want to watch that movie again. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a big image in my head of like the, the henchmen. I forget what they were dressed like, but... They, they kind of look like Team Rocket grunts vaguely. The henchmen from Inspector Gadget, the TV series. Them twins would fit right into that role. I, I would mm. thought that's what they would have had them do. But, you know, source material. What can you do? Okay, the next story. 
Kevin, why don't you read this one from Rob F? Hi, Pod Crabs. That's the new group name, right? Pod Crabs. It certainly is. Follow it on social media. Love the show. Love to see you three branching out into non-wrestling content. As suggested on your episode, I have a kitchen nightmare TM story for you. During my final year of uni, uh-oh, the, the first and the final year of uni, that's where these stories always come out, right? <laughs> During my final year of uni and my subsequent unemployment, I was desperately poor, as the student loans company had cancelled the part of my loan that would have paid for food, etc. And I had to live off my meagre savings. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a, a, an all-too... I, I'd even scroll down to see if he's from the UK or not, but like that seems like yeah. all-too relatable for our listeners. We're talking Poundland bread where you had to cut out the clumps of unrisen dough and hope you had a couple of slices left over to use. Mm. The meal I made myself the most through this time was tomato pasta because it was the cheapest, most filling meal. Have either of you guys got like like a period of time like where you were like, okay, the money is going or the money is gone. Like I'm yep. genuinely like... If I spend too much on money now, I could be on the fucking streets, more or less. Like, what what were your recipes if you ever... Because I, I think we've all been at that point in our lives separately, have we? When we're like, money was tight enough yeah. that food was a big exuberance, it felt like. What were you... Adam, what was your like, go-to cheap meal? I'm ashamed to say that in second year of uni, I was having financial woes right around the same time that Britain's cheapest meal was making the rounds on news websites... Oh, which if you remember it was uh toast sandwiches was officially britain's cheapest meal which is where you get two slices of regular uncooked bread and then put a slice of toast in the middle butter the toast and put salt and pepper on it and there's your dinner right there and i i had that that. like for a week i think and it made me feel so fucking appalling and really i should have just been getting like even a tin of spaghetti hoops would have been better for me than that or something like i i could have managed my finances a lot better even so so that was a bad time, folks. Don't eat toast sandwiches. <laughs> I do remember it was like someone had gotten a remote and it just started slowly messing with your contrast during that time. Like it was really <laughs> like, yeah, toast sandwich doesn't give you much. I, I remember having like my last paycheck that I knew I was going to have for like until I found a new job or whatever. So and <laughs> I had very little, I had like maybe 20, 30 quid to my name and I bought two packs of cheap not even easy singles knock off easy singles oh. i'm talking county county cow right there it doesn't even melt it just goes like <laughs> twisted mm. <laughs> and i had a loaf of bread and i literally wrote out like a little calendar and it's like right i could have a toasty in the morning and a toasty in the evening every day for the next 10 days mm. and i did and it was just basically to, to make sure i had enough money left of the month that i wouldn't have a panic attack every morning when i woke up and yeah i don't know if uh br- the cheese that contained within my bread slices was any more nutritious than the toast within <laughs> yours adam but uh, i similarly looked like someone had a good old tinkering with my hdr settings at the end of that one so yes rob was literally a tin of chopped tomato stirred into plain pasta mm. very good fucking hell the real kitchen nightmare came when I tried to stretch my money even further by using only half a tin of tomatoes and putting the rest of the tin back in the fridge to use tomorrow. Bad idea. I don't know why. Tins in fridges, like half tins, I like I just buy smaller tins of, of stuff now because I always get freaked out by it. I've heard it's really bad, like it can oxidize. Yeah, ah. I, I put stuff into a little tub if I'm going to do yeah. that and then put that in the fridge instead. Yeah, I cut myself on a can in the fridge once and I was like, mm. oh, I think it's dangerous. To <laughs> Never <do> again. <laughs> Bad idea, though. Next day, he made more pasta using the tomatoes, had a bowl, and less than five minutes later, his body hit that emergency evacuation button, and he barfed the whole thing up again. Unbeknownst to him, 
the tin in the cheap metal of the can had leached into uh, the tomatoes and uh, he had gotten food poisoning. So oh, he, Jesus. You hit the nail right in the head there, Joe. I was still desperately hungry, though, especially having just been sick. Literally the worst feeling in the world because, you know, one of the saving graces of getting sick is that usually when you have to get sick, you feel great afterwards. Yeah. You know, mm. or after you have sick, there's a sense of relief at least, yeah. you know, like mm. it's fucking over or whatever. But if you're sick and you're immediately hungry and you're all like cut up inside. Yeah, and you have no food. Oh, Jesus Christ. <sighs> so he went back and he had the second boat. No! No! What? And sure enough, back out it came again. Hey! It wasn't until I tried to make myself go back for the third bowl. All right. I'm I'm approaching ceasing to be sympathetic at this point, Rob. Enough's enough. Bowl three, shame on you. I had to make myself throw the rest of the pasta out. Otherwise, I would have just kept on eating it in the hopes that it would have stayed down long enough to give me sustenance. All because I didn't want to waste that one pound that those ingredients had cost me. This was years ago. I've done much better for myself. And even though I love cooking for myself, I never really make pasta with tomato sauce anymore because eating it takes me right back to that time. Can't wait for the next show. (laughs) Regards, Rob Ferguson. Rob, that is an absolute fucking... Bobby Dazzler of a story and something that's really amazing about this and I'm liking hearing this a lot and I would say more of these types of stories please is folks who've had kitchen nightmares in the past but we've overcome them to become yeah. proper kitchenistas you know semi-competent chefs of the world and home cooks unite it's rawpod at gmail.com but yeah if you're going for the third bowl, at least he didn't go and eat a bowl of sick afterwards and try and recoup his losses <laughs> that way. He was one step away from it, though. Adam, would you like to take this next one from James L? Yes. James L writes in here saying, once had a kitchen nightmare at a Gordon Ramsay restaurant slash pub. Ooh. Very nice. Went for very, a, very nice. Went for a lovely Sunday lunch and I opted for the roast pork. And it was a shocker. Dry meat. Useless. Sent it back. <laughs> It took 30 minutes for a replacement dish, by which time my other half had long finished her delicious roast beef. (laughs) Can we have a Gordon Ramsay description, please? Adam, (laughs) Joe, uh, how dry is this pork? Like, What's it like? Go on, Adam. He's seen off. It's as dry as Gandhi's flip-flop. I only say that because I know (laughs) that he's actually used that before now several times. (laughs) When the bill turned up, there was no offer of reductions in price and I had to complain. Another time, another place, went to an Indian restaurant in Thailand where my friend Dave had a beef curry that looked like a cow pat and he shit himself the next day. (laughs) (laughs) You guys ever had any food that made you shit yourself the next day? I have told the story before of, like, recently issued enough when we were in Greece, we went to, like, here's how you learn to make moussaka in a traditional Greek kitchen. And then I shit myself in a traditional Greek <laughs> toilet afterwards. And uh, then I was told I wouldn't get a refund unless I had a traditional anal swab to prove that I had <laughs> traditional fucking food poisoning. And then I said, I'm going to go on my non-traditional social media and complain. And then they gave me some nice things and it was all right. So. <laughs> okay, we've got a um, not quite a story from sam Mm -hmm. more like a calling out oh is this is this the platform here i mean it's a bit chilly in the walk-in are we gonna heat things up so (laughs) calm people out oh no this is mild this is mild so sam says dear kevin a all hello from a all 
Congratulations <laughs> on the launch. <laughs> Congratulations on the launch of the new podcast. I'm currently enjoying episode one, but I'm obliged to pull you up, Kevin, oh, on oh, something you this said again. on something you said about putting corn snacks in sandwiches. So not about baked beans and toast then, which is what I was kind of secretly hoping for. Mm. Indeed, chickadees make for a fine filling and a oh, buttered white baguette. Oh, fuck off. This was the lunch of choice in school when you wanted to pay less than a euro for something. Chickadees are sort of cre- greasy and fake tasting enough that it complements the butter. Uh-uh. Something to mull over, uh-uh. says Sam. No, no, because we've literally just had the discussion about toast and bread and why that doesn't work. Don't fucking cross the streams of crisp sandwiches, genuinely delicious, brilliant, special place in all of our hearts... <laughs> And just because I said in Cinema Swirl when I was teaching a Protestant how to make a fucking crisp sandwich, don't be coming at me saying, oh, let's put chickadees and burger bites and onion rings like it's the fucking last days of Rome. Like, no, thank you. (laughs) Crisp sandwich. If you want to go and put fucking corn pops and breakfast cereal in your sandwich, that's on you. Fine. (laughs) I'll die on this hill. Adam, why don't you read this one now from Riley? A few years ago, I went to a pub with my partner at the time and a bunch of their co-workers... Someone had ordered a lemon drop and the bartender accidentally gave it a salt rim instead of a sugar rim. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I knew that would appeal to you straight away, Joe. I mean, I, I think that would probably be an ideal lemon and salt. That's kind of two yeah. of your five a day right That's there. That's eh? a very Iranian <laughs> drink sounding thing. Because my ex-partner, oh. his mum's Iranian oh, and yeah. she would eat a, a lemon like an apple and then put a bit of salt on it. And I tried it, it was delicious. It's oh the same my reason God. we talked this before, Adam, I think. It, it, we, if you put a bit of salt in a bitter coffee, salt mm. kind of works yeah. in tandem with that bitter part of your, your palate mm. or whatever. And it, it takes kind of... away some of the bitterness and makes you actually mm. allow you to taste the flavour. And it's also an amazing oh. thing as well. If you're making like a particular like stew or something like that, that's very meaty or, or, or it's very savoury or very nutty tasting or beany, uh, a little drop of red wine vinegar and anything like that, any sort of a brown stew... Because that little bit of sour works so fucking well with the salt. Well, Riley's got to disagree with you because they say here that they tasted it and it was shockingly awful. I gave it a taste and it felt like I dunked my head into the ocean and just inhaled. It was salty, gritty and bitter as hell. That sounds so nice. I mean, a lemony ocean. (laughs) I I mean, come on now. Mm. Joe, you're like the Grinch or something where it's just like anything that is stereotypically considered to be horrible. You're like, ooh, yes, please. I'll eat some glass and some salt. Just cut to the three of us out like floating in the middle of an ocean. Like, no, don't drink that water. It's super sour. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we've got a really horrible kitchen nightmare story now that I... Kevin, I'm going to have to make you read this one from Stephen just because I think I think you'll find it most upsetting. Fuck me. All right, here we go. Here's a kitchen nightmare story I wanted to share with you. I hope Kevin doesn't cringe too hard at my complete lack of cooking skills. I wanted to make a nice spaghetti and meatball dinner for my family, but I had no idea what to do. I googled something along the lines of foolproof spaghetti sauce, which called for all the usual ingredients, as well as three ingredients I'd since learned that do not go in a sauce. Chicken broth, sugar... And a lot of water. Sugar. Sugar. Okay. All this fucking putting sugar in tomato sauces business. Mm. Fucking tomatoes, lads. Come on. Yeah, what are you doing? You don't need it. They're quite sweet, yeah. You know what? If it's not tasting sweet tomato enough, a little bit of tomato ketchup in there. There you go. There's a hack from my mum. There you go. How well, that, that? That's plenty sugary as it is, isn't it? Ketchup. Yeah. Like, ketchup is pretty much mostly sugar, I think. There you go. Like, if you have to have your red sweetness, don't be putting 
It's so not a cup of tea you're making, right? <laughs> <laughs> Followed everything as best as I could, and then I started on the meatballs. As luck would have it, I had no crackers in the house, but the meatball recipe needed them. <laughs> Hang about. Is this a joke, this recipe? No, I've heard this one. I've actually made meatballs with crackers just because when I didn't have bread in the house, you usually want to have a slice or two of bread, you soak it in a bit of milk, mm. and that gives you a little... It's not like, oh, you're making them cheap. It's just so that they're not like hard balls of meat. Mm. It gives them that little bit of fluffiness that can oh. absorb some of the sauce or poach a little bit. But I know a lot of the American recipes, because you will have like saltine crackers and graham crackers or whatever mm. the fuck it is they use. You soak it and then you put them in. So that's not the weirdest thing in the world. Okay. But just, you know, it's obviously going to get quite weirder because he used it instead uh, in a pinch, uh, instant oatmeal, which um, huh. I, I've used oats in, like as a filler when, it, you know, you don't want to use flour or whatever, but that's not a good idea, I don't think. But instant oats, like like ready break kind of stuff, where you just add water and give it 30 seconds, that's surely not going to work. The only difference between big time oats and instant oats is just that they're smaller. They're ground really? up a little bit more. That's all it is. is that that's it? That's all it is. Wow, what a ripoff. Huh. I know, what an absolute rip. So I've got big oats, which then I, and then I've got my little quick oats, and I use my big oats for porridge, my little oats for cooking, and then I whiz the little oats and make oat flour. There you go. Hmm. Um, but yeah, don't put them in meatballs, you freaks. <laughs> Long story short, I ended up with a spaghetti sauce that looked and tasted a lot like cherry Kool-Aid with vegetables in it. How? With burnt meatballs that tasted <laughs> like cookies because the instant oatmeal was cinnamon and maple. No! Fucking hell. Jesus. Needless to say, this was the last time I ever tried to cook anything, Stephen. Oh, that's a jar. I just after I was like, we'll all learn together. Get out of here. Fuck me. Sad ending. You know what? It fucking breaks my heart because I had a. I had a dream the other night. This is the saddest thing ever. I had a dream where we were at the podcast festival again and I made cookies for everyone and we all had Aww. them. And like everyone in the audience had them and we had them on stage. And it was mm-hmm. like, this is great. This is going to kill 10 minutes. And then I woke up and I was like, you know what? That's never going to happen yeah. ever again. No. no, never. No. And I kind of feel like I see this story now and I want to I want to go cook this guy a meal. You know, I want to I want to make mm. him a bowl of porridge at the very least or some meatballs. Stephen, that's fucking that's grim, man. That's really fucking grim. That's hard. Mm. That's what that's what makes people scared of cooking is like trying a replacement that you're suggested and then going fucking horribly wrong. Yeah. You know, it's mm. oh, it's so fucking hard. Next story? Yeah. Yeah. So next up, we have a bit of a horror story from Eric. Horror story? Yeah, Eric calls it Cronenbergian. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and kitchen body <laughs> horror. Oh, great. Well, this is obviously your wheelhouse, <laughs> uh, being unsubcultured as you are. <laughs> Eric says, I had seared a couple of thick pork chops in a stainless steel pan and put the pan into the oven to finish them off. Oh, that, you know what? I, I want a detective novel to start off like that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> when I thought they might be done, I absentmindedly reached into the oven and grabbed the handle of the pan with my <gasps> bare hand. I've done that so many times. Yeah. yeah. So many times I stopped doing the recipe where I put my pan in the oven that was causing it. <laughs> Too much of a risk. I pulled it away before I even felt the pain, but the pain did come soon after, along with the transformation. Oh no! <laughs> Wait, is this literally like a Cronenberg? Is it gonna be like the fly where he becomes half pan now? <laughs> <laughs> 
Within about 30 seconds, my whole palm turned bright pink and a blister the size of a golf ball bubbled up. The blister hung around for about a week and a half and made everyone who saw it do a double take and say, oh my God. God! Fucking hell. Every time I looked at it, I was reminded of Gendo Ikari from Neon Genesis Evangelion when he reveals that he has the embryo of Adam fused to his palm. I wondered if a new life form was about to burst forth from my hand and usher in a new era of human evolution. Fucking Wow. Hell. That's upsetting. That is really... Up- that is revolting. That is fucking horrible. Nothing worse than getting burnt by a pan. It's yeah. like, it's so bad. Like, cause it's-, it's a hand as well. Yeah. A place which has got so many folds and creases and it will be breaking constantly yeah. like eh. Can't do anything then for like a week and a half no that's fucking terrifying because like i've i've been scalded many times by various liquids and stuff like that like you know and doing deep fat frying and like a little flick of oil comes up and it's like ah and all that but when it's that bad and it's because of a pan you're gonna beat yourself up mm. as well it's gonna make it even that's gonna make the body yeah. low self-confidence makes the body heal itself slower that did remind me as well of an image that I remember. I've not thought about this in years. An image I used to show Kevin occasionally when we lived together and he used to get no! very upset about it. No! But I don't think I've ever talked to you about it, Joe. And you would love this because it involves Hulk Hogan being in agony. Oh. I've left the chat now. It was literally one day. One day Hulk Hogan posted on Twitter like, can't believe it, brother. My radiator blew up and went all over my hand. And there's a picture of his hand. <laughs> and it looked, it looked like when you're like making mints for burgers and it's all like mushed up together his hand is just this big swollen balloon of flesh oh, you know what Joe, you would fucking love it. That's so You funny. know what his hand looks like? It looks like Kay's good cooking. That's what it looks like. <laughs> you know? Not even delicious. Mm. Okay, we have a great story now from Josh H about meeting the big man himself. Are you kidding me? Adam, please take us through. Yes, please. Josh writes, My experience meeting the chef himself came back in 2006 when Gordon was in my home village filming Kitchen Nightmares UK. Oh, that's Pete Gordon 06? Mm, yeah, John. On. Josh says it's the episode where the owner goes to Tesco to buy steak before they open. Yes, great episode. <laughs> I was running down the main high street to see my friends when suddenly I ran into a large man with blonde hair and a camera crew. It was Gordon Ramsay himself. <laughs> he asked for my name. <laughs> <laughs> What's, wow. what's your name, little boy? <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> Do you live in this town or whatever? He asked for my name, shook my hand, and told me to listen to my mother and stop misbehaving. <laughs> How That's old so was cute. he? I'm guessing a child. Yeah, he must have been pretty young. <laughs> that does bring me, though, to the fact that I can't believe we haven't talked about this in depth yet, but my mum has met Gordon Ramsay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Give us the scoop, Adam. So my mum used to work at a National Trust site. It's a place called Shugborough, like a big, massive manor house in a a few villages over from ours. And my mum worked in the canteen there. And one day they had like a charity run event going on at the grounds. And Gordon Ramsay attended and he took part in the run. And after he was done, he came to the canteen and he came and he got served by my mum. And he ordered a cake and a little pot of tea. And apparently, in my mum's words, he was a total sweetheart. He called her darling. Oh. He was really polite. It was a lovely interaction. And then... Wait, hang on. Oh. So he had a big run. And then afterwards, he had a cake and a tea to fuel up. He yep. didn't go for like the 
the, the, the lentil shepherd's pie or whatever they'd have well, on. I think after I'd done a huge run, I'd probably want to have like a cake or something as a nice little treat, I think. Like a sugary something something to yeah. cheer myself up after all that hard exercise. Uh, Gordon doesn't strike me as a sweet guy. Like as a, he'd have a little cake like that. That's very revealing. You know, I've learned something I new about I actually him. think he's much more of a sweets person than we give him credit for. Because there's been a lot of episodes where Gordon hates all the food. And then he'll have like a bit of cake and he's like, who made this? That's lovely. That's a really nice little cake you've made there. Like, it's the one time he'll be nice about people's food is when it's a cake. Like. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a pingu ice cream or whatever it is. That's been, <laughs> this, this punky penguin is absolutely delicious. Marvelous. Unbelievable. But he was apparently really sweet. And my mum's colleague burnt her hand on like um, some hot tea, I think. And Gordon was apparently extremely concerned. And he kept checking in on her like, you okay, my darling? Is everything all right? Can I help out at all? Like He was a total, total gentleman. Which... Then brings me to the fact that my partner Alice's mum has also met Gordon Ramsay. Oh! Entirely different set of circumstances. Ali's mum, and this I will say as a as a disclaimer, this is no reflection on Ali's mum. I don't think anyone should be judged by their behaviour on a hen do. <laughs> <laughs> Ali's mum was going on a hen do with a bunch of friends, and they were all on a plane together, and they'd all started drinking like prosecco or whatever it was on the plane. And they were all getting quite like, yay, we're going away. We're going on holiday to have a big party. They're all very excited when they see Gordon Ramsay walking down the aisle of the plane heading towards the bathroom. And they all start jeering at him Aww. and chanting his name. <laughs> and apparently he did like a little wave and a smile. Like he was very, he took it in his stride and was very nice. And then someone shouted, your cooking is shit, mate, at him as he walked back. <laughs> I know, I, I really wish that he got aggro and gave us a reason not to feel sympathy for him, but I do just kind of feel like, poor God. Like in a plane as well. and No escape. No escape. I, I don't know how it is for you guys, but I don't think I feel as powerless as I do when confronted with the group dynamic of a hen party. Yeah, seriously. Exactly. That's very intimidating. In, in an enclosed space, like, I mean, yeah, come on now. Fucking hell. We have one here from Armbud. My personal kitchen nightmare. I ordered a prime rib and baked potato. I saw a container of what i thought was sour cream mm. and i slathered it over my potato it was not sour cream who wants to guess what it was more potato mm. <laughs> paint paint oh tipex tipex all right um, it is edible just about it was horseradish oh the horseradish potato combination was awful and gave me the worst shits of my life that's funny because i heard the other day someone say i think it was like jamie oliver or something he was doing like a bloody mary beef and he's like making up roast potato to go with this nice red meat stew and he put he's like put a little teaspoon of horseradish in there i'll give it a little bit of a little bit of bite, not too spicy. Yeah, but slathering on horseradish the I way see, you would sour cream, that's going to be vile. Yeah. Horseradish Jesus. is like mint sauce is one of these things that like never once growing up was it ever on the plate on a Sunday roast. I'm not sure if it's an Irish thing or a my family huh. thing, but you guys have got all these special fucking punchy sauces to yeah. jazz up your roast meats and... 2021, it's going to be the year of horseradish for me, by hook or by crook. <laughs> <laughs> okay then, this one coming to us from Javis. Three or four years ago, I thought it'd be a great idea to sign up for a patisserie course at a community college. Ooh. That's a nice idea. Mm, yeah. yeah. Before the world ended, I was really like super considering, like there's all these places you go where it's like, you can stay the night and eat in the restaurant. And then the next day in the morning, you wake up and you get to do a whole day of cooking with the chefs and you get to huh. you know, prepare all these great dishes with all this great, you know, f you get the types of food you ate the night before. Like, it's like, oh, that's gonna be fun. I ain't doing that anytime soon. Of nah. course, sounds like fun. 
I thought it would be a great idea to sign up for a patisserie course because I liked to bake. Bake is in inverted commas, followed up with the note, whipped cream cheese in a pre-made tart base, pop it in the fridge, bare minute. Oh, that sounds fucking great. Yeah, that's it does, brilliant. yeah. But I hate to be an arse, but that ain't bacon. <laughs> like... No. <laughs> no bacon is still bacon, all right? Broken biscuit cake, I still think, is the pinnacle of baking mm. and it involves no bacon yeah, whatsoever. But... I'll tell you what now, that cheesecake sounds good to me. In hindsight, I was not mentally equipped for that environment. I could have saved the money and a mental breakdown. Patisserie is dodgy. I know this much to be true because when I taught in a grammar school in Skegness briefly, and they had a very, very good home economics... What is it home ec, what they call it? Food yeah. tech. Food, food tech. tech, thank you. They had a really amazing food tech department there. Like, amazing teachers, three or four staff, like mm. every student between a pair of them had their own oven and everything and they did not do any of the pastry stuff they got the biology teacher who just happened to enjoy it not me the other one who liked making puff pastry they got him to come in and do it because they're like yeah it's too hard for us to do at a levels wow and they're they were all some of the best chefs i'd ever seen in my life so yeah patisserie is hard i was always late I couldn't multitask and I couldn't keep my area clean enough. My teachers bullied out the weaker students in the school. Jesus. One of them asked me why I was still there and I thought, it cost me $2,000. I might not pass, but I'm taking my money's worth. $2,000. God, that sounds so much like wrestling training where it's like, pay me a fortune (laughs) so I can bully you into not coming back anymore. (laughs) First day, they break your eggs to make sure you don't come back. It's fucking rough going. That is hard. You know what? It just makes me think that instead of going for a big crazy course like that, that you should just probably, you know, meet a friend and get them to tell you some stuff on Twitter or find a good YouTube channel. Well, I will say, speaking of YouTube, I've been getting a lot of YouTube ads lately for, I don't know if you've seen this, but Gordon Ramsay has a masterclass online now. Uh, Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. It's like fucking 200 quid, but I'm like, I really want to watch it because he looks like he's having a great time. Yeah, he talks about it on the advert where he's like, this is the most revealing look you'll have ever seen of who I really am. And he's like saying like, I've made loads of mistakes over the years. It took me ages to get here. It seems like he's trying to be this new Gordon where he's really real and humble all of a sudden. I think there is a slight chance it could be his older son who they're using as kind of a stand-in for yeah. him now because he looks kind of like 06 Gordon. Yeah, he like. does, yeah. So yeah, that's Aww. my theory. Well, we've had a good old time in the walk-in. Uh, good thing I had my yeah. anorak and mittens on this whole time otherwise I would have been frozen solid. Why don't we get rid of all these plates covered in dirty old beans and mould and uh, we'll head back in here after we've had a few more shots through kitchen nightmares do not forget as always you can get in touch on the social media at podcrabs don't forget as well you can follow all of us on the twitter i'm at kevin man adam's at biblops and joe's at the joanna graham and all of your messages emails stories about meeting famous food folks kitchen nightmares ones you've created yourself or been subjected to it's raw pod at gmail.com that's it's raw pod at gmail.com and for those of you who've been sending us lots of things like suggestions for episodes you know you probably figured we're not going to do an episode where we just read out suggestions for episodes but they're still very much appreciated those of you who have been sending in recommendations continue to do so and we'll be back before you know it with more it's raw it's a goodbye from me kevin me adam and me joe let's close this door behind us and we'll see you next time on the walk-in 